Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I am just your typical Spike. Recording early in the morning with me, coffee in hand, my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. How you doing, friend? Dude, I'm feeling summer. It's nice and hot out. Like, this is a good time of year for me. I mean, it's super busy, but um, this is this is the time where I'm totally fine staying indoors playing video games and playing magic in an air-conditioned building same dude i th- i always feel like you know we've talked about this before you and i are busy at opposite ends of the year yeah this is my like hyper downtime so like i'm looking up about other card games i'm like what is this flesh and blood game all about <laughs> and then i also you know i'm looking for side projects i'm i'm playing more retro games right now than i usually would because like you know i've always had this game on the back burner that I want to refinish or whatever. Um, but we've also been playing some Magic the Gathering, Cameron. Now, I know there's been a uh, there's been a suspension. Mm. But and we'll talk about that in the middle segment, but first I want to get to you what you've been up to in terms of playing this week. Uh, I've been playing more standard and still on this blue red mid-range list that's running Goldspan Dragon. Um, the other blue red Treasure Dragon, I can never remember its name, and just Galazeth. There we go, and a bunch of you know good spells, and um, yeah, that's about it. This deck crushes it against certain other decks, and then loses in the most comically bad ways against other decks. Right, so I I feel like if I'm playing against mono green. Probably the most popular deck right now, I would say. Uh, I feel like I'm having a horrible time with this. Like, I just... The deck is just too slow to play against Mono Green. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Winota deck, because I'm not running Wraths, I just feel like I, I, I really am relying on either the counter spells or just, like, Frostbite. And if I don't have those at the right time, this deck just folds. But when I'm playing against some of the other more mid-rangey decks or like bug control where I can kind of build what I, my presence by turn four or five, I'm set. Uh, I mean, I complain about Allrun's Epiphany, but like that card in combination with Goldspan Dragon just, I mean, is a blowout sometimes, you know, where like you, you can chain Allruns, which is hilarious and also frustrating <laughs> for my opponent. Um, but yeah, like this deck, like I said, I, I feel like I have a real good game against like the slower decks. Any of the faster decks right now, like this deck just folds. It just stinks. Yeah, so um, I, I agree with you. And uh, the mono green thing last week, I was like, that eh, feels kind of like a flash in the pan. I'm seeing it more again. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is weird because it seems like certain de- like. We've kind of entered paper, rock, scissors land with it, right? Mm. Where the mono green deck is like super good against some things and just basically trash against others. That being said, Emergent Ultimatum deck still feels like by far and away the best deck. When it does what it's designed to do, it does it way better than everything else. Um, And I don't know if you felt this way. I guess you probably saw the BNR announcement after it happened. But basically someone had URL sniffed that it was going to happen the day before. Okay. And so I was just like, oh, man. Oh, man. New standard. Here we come. Here we come, baby. And then it was just like, 
oh historic yeah <laughs> and i was like oh so we we're doing this standard thing again like we're just like living it some more yep and um it's been frustrating but i will say cameron there is a lot of um complaining about this standard when there are new things going on yeah like the the vibe at my shop has been forgotten realms is a trash set it's no good well and i just completely disagree completely disagree now if you want to throw that stuff at strixhaven I will listen to the argument because right now it's looking like Expressive Iteration and Prismari Command are the lone good cards mm. for Constructed in that set. Okay, fine. But like just the Manlands alone from Forgotten Realms are so far and above many other cards that have been put in Strixhaven and Kaldheim that it's kind, it's kind of stunning to me, mm -hmm. right? It's just not Eldraine, right? But if you were to put Forgotten Realms in basically any other standard right then we wouldn't be having these discussions it would be a really good summer set yeah um, it, it's so weird to me i'm trying to like think of in like the 10 years that i've been playing like if there's like an equivalent to like what's been going on where you have like this hyper powered set that is just pure insanity next to something that is totally fine it's underpowered for sure like and i i can see if that's your complaint i can see where you're coming from but Remove Strixhaven. I'm sorry. Remove um, the fairy tales and Eldrin. all of that stuff away, and I think you have like you're right. This solid set that um, is gonna be, I think, good. You know, a year from now, where we're gonna like all these cards are actually gonna really matter. Yeah, Emrith, Dimulich. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, there's there's plenty of good cards here. Yeah, but again. You know, we've talked about Eldraine and Ikoria, but specifically, but they're they're just throwing people's compasses out of whack, right? Where a card like Shark Typhoon, which is a card you don't even think about, in many standards, that would be easily the best card. Like, easily, right? And it's top 10, maybe, yeah. in this standard? Yeah. So, um, and that's even after all the banning. So, I, I just think, first of all, the prices on some of these cards are insanely cheap. So if you think you're going to play standard, like picking up two of each of these man lands is going to set you back like 10 bucks, 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. It's bananas. Secondly, uh, there are cards that are making an impact. I suited up this deck that was floating around called Grixis Treasure. So it's essentially the blue-red dragon's deck, okay? Mm -hmm. But you play a few black cards, most notably the one-drop zombie uh, that can, when it dies, it creates a treasure or it gets another creature, minus one, minus one. You play the black-red two-drop that, when it enters the battlefield, it creates a treasure. When a creature enters the battlefield with a treasure, it gets a 1-1 one -one counter. And you, play, you can play Deadly Disputes or some other things. Black, I think, gives you some better sideboard options. The deck seemed pretty good. Um... In my experience, like you, the, the Blue-Red Dragons deck has a real problem with aggro. Now that I'm playing black, that matchup tightens up substantially because I can side into Shadow's Verdict. Doesn't touch my dragons, basically kills their whole side of the field. <laughs> um, it, it, it's a much better deck, but just the... Okay, I play the two-drop, create a treasure token. Turn three, I play a Galazeth, and because I cast it with a treasure, it's now a 4-5. Um, a right? And then it gives me another treasure. Um, 
It's really something. Um, I do want to pick up on what you were saying about Alrun's Epiphany and Goldspan Dragon. Because I don't know if you've played any of the standard 2022 cues. Not yet. But it it really feels like Alrun's Epiphany is going to be whatever the long deck finisher is going to be. Um, but Goldspan Dragon is miles above everything else in terms of the quality of the card. Like it, it feels like it's easily the best card in standard 2022. And I'm kind of like dragging my feet, but it's like I'm probably just going to have to buy a playset. I cannot imagine. Either it's going to be a blue-red dragons where you're playing mm -hmm. for Goldspan Dragons. It's going to be a showdown of the Skulls deck where you're going to be playing for Goldspan Dragons. Like, we could keep going down this, right? Like, yep. why would you not play that card? It's so, it's so powerful. I mean, it's a 4-4 hasty creature. That's great. Um, and then, oh, I can... <laughs> when, you, when you do anything to it... I have counterspell protection now. It's insane, right? So, yeah. yeah. And I don't know how many times they've killed it, and I'm like, oh, well, sweet. I'm going to use that mana to cast my Auron's Epiphany. Exactly. Now. And then play another thing. So, anyway, looking ahead to that standard, but I think the standard is, it's changed up slightly. I haven't played all the new decks. I guess there is a mono blue Demi Lich deck. Okay. It's standard now. Um, that's playable. Obviously, it's a snow, faithful saving. I keep saying faithless faceless mm -hmm. haven uh deck but yeah the grixis treasure deck i i would suggest you try it, it it's pretty sounds cool. fun yeah standard's so weird like um i think it's fine it is totally worn out its welcome and that's my complaint with it i just feel like it some of these cards have been around way too long now um but i i think it's fine like i'm never like feeling like any of my matchups are just garbage you know so it is what it is. You know what it is. The, I th I think the bigger problem is the paper presence. Mm. But I'm I'm really hoping that that we just we just play this out now because clearly we're not going to ban anything. And then there is a push for standard, whether it's for SCG tour or whatever, mm. where we because there needs to be moneyed standard tournaments for standard to be a thing. Yep, that's just how it's going to be. Um, I did play modern uh, FNM, and I've played modern twice over the past month. Um, in paper, in person. And these have been, again, my shop is kind of easing back into it. One thing I would say is, like, my shop attendance, I've kind of maybe painted in a negative light. I would also say that they are requiring you to show proof of vaccination for you to play. And I think that's made some people not want to play there, um, which is, you know, it is what it is, mm -hmm. right? But I, I've got mine, so I can go back there and play. Um, but again, Last night, I split top four. There were nine people. It was not the biggest tournament in the world. I showed up with Storm. The, my one loss was to Mono Red. And uh, I just, again, people are so positive about Modern. But a lot of times, they're playing these very dirtily. I played against two Yorion decks. And I just don't know. The other One of the other guys in the top four with me was Mono Red. Another guy was playing Blue-Red Blitz, and another one was playing the Stoneforge Vindicate deck. And it's like, these are the real, these are the real thing, guys. Yeah. These are, this is yeah. what you should be doing. And I'm not, I'm not convinced after watching the Black-White Stoneforge deck play that it's any good. I mean, at least it has game against kind of the more aggro-y decks, uh, but it felt slow to me too, right? Um, why you would not just be playing like Amulet Titan, Storm, like the Blitz decks, like... I just feel like that is the correct decision. And I know modern has taken on this 
very legacy-like, oh, be an expert in this one deck and show up to play what you want. And I just think that is a bunch of crap. <laughs> it is a bunch of crap. There are five decks that you should be playing or something. And I know some people would say, hey, I don't think Storm is one of those decks. Well, I do. I don't think it's really great against the Blitz deck, but you look at like Titan and you look at um, the Cookbook deck, Storm wrecks those decks. Mm. And I, I have not played the Stone against the Stoneforge deck, but I would love to see what how that come plays yeah. out. But like this whole, oh, you can play Elves, man, because you're an Elves expert. Like, stop it. <laughs> stop it. Have you gotten to play any modern yet, Cameron? I, 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 what was that? About a month and a half ago, I did, and it's uh, good. It was okay. Like, the, I, I felt like the meta and everything that I was playing at at that shop was not, um, what the real meta is. You know, kind of like you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I'll go back. I think uh, after a couple more weeks, I'll go back to the modern and check it out. Yeah, it's just weird. It's like people want to play tribal minotaurs or something, and. <laughs> You know, somehow it's like freeing to them to do that, which, okay, I'll take your money, man, but like, might be time to grow up, you know? Uh, All right, Cameron, let's get out of the segment. Let's come back and talk about Brainstorm. So, Cameron, it's hard to convey to you the level of disappointment in which I felt this announcement Mm -hmm. Uh, because I was really hoping for something to change in standard. Um, but let's just, let's just hear what you think, man, since, uh, Brainstorm is now suspended mm-hmm. in historic. Well, clearly those conversations happening back, uh, when Brainstorm was initially released, it's not a good card. Like you should just always be playing opt instead. And clearly by, because it's being banned, you have to play opt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, like I am, I will say I am disappointed I love casting a brainstorm, but let's just put this into the context of the larger thing. Historic, while I really appreciate that that format exists, still does not have the tools to deal with what is the best card in Legacy. Um... And I would argue that in like and I think we'll be talking about this in another month, historic is still not in a place where it can handle the best card that was in modern as well. Um, that being faithless looting. But brainstorm, I am bummed to see it go just because I do love casting it. I think it creates really interesting magic. But we also just have to remember like it is a turn one, draw three, and there are ways to manipulate your deck still. Um, or to manipulate the top of your deck um, where it is an incredibly powerful thing and you're doing things on a completely different universe than like what some of the other things are happening on with historic. So this is probably for the best. It's healthy. Um, I hope we see some other things changing in historic too. Well, I guess if you were one of those opt people, um, you didn't lose four wild cards. It's true. It's true. So I guess they got the last laugh, Cameron. Um, so first of all, I don't know if you've read the really lovely uh, Watsy announcement, but basically they were like, look, Just Guy Control and Arclight Phoenix.dex haven't been winning enough to justify the banning, but you guys are, you know, not, it's hurting game diversity, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay. Uh huh. 
this feels a lot like you have come to a conclusion that Brainstorm was going to be acceptable in this format. That conclusion was obviously incorrect, but you're unwilling to cede that. That's what this reads like. Mm -hmm. And don't, like, just the tone of this was really, really off-putting to me. Um, uh, Somebody surfaced uh, a tweet, I think it was Andrew Cunio, that said, "Uh, I'm not excited that you're putting Brainstorm into this format. It makes me think you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) Um, That's good. And... (laughs) It's hard not to come to that conclusion, and especially with this kind of like announcement that feels very, hey, we were actually right, guys, if you look at the numbers. And it's like, well, the numbers on Arena can be skewed by so many things, and if you are looking at these decks and looking at the competitive level stuff and saying, Brainstorm is clearly not, like, not an issue, you're lying to yourself. And by the way, there were more Brainstorms in that Pro Top 8 than there were Time Warps, but we banned Time Warp. Mm-hmm. So what metric are you using here, man? It feels like a moving target. And so, like, look, I'm happy with old powerful cards being in the format. But Brainstorm is on a different order. It is on a different level. And if you wanted to put that in, you needed to put a lot of other really significantly yes. more powerful things in these other colors. And, and not hit me with, well, Lightning Bolt has to go. Swords to plowshares, and it was just like this really false logic mm-hmm. of what is acceptable and not acceptable. And I get it. Like when you lose to swords to plowshares, you feel it. Whereas if you lose to brainstorm, it might not be as forward facing. But everybody that's been around brainstorm knows what's up. You know, you know why you lost. Yeah. It's just like they they don't cast brainstorm and you lose, right? Um, but also, also just the whole mystical archives experience. Has not been great for that format. Like I would argue that Mizzix's mastery has Huge been problem. not yeah, and not an acceptable reprint. Why did that get through? Right? And again, I, I, I will say this over and over again. I don't know how you look at that and go, this is fine. Mine's desire, fine. Well, not a bannable card due to win percentage. Does anyone have fun playing against Mind's Desire? Does anyone ha- I mean Mind's Desire, I have fun casting it. Mm-hmm. But it's not a reasonable Magic the Gathering card by any stretch. Um, but then you say, oh, Swords to Plash, way too good, guys. It's like, okay. Um, one is four of in Legacy. One is restricted in Vintage. But <laughs> somehow by your arbitrary you know, metrics, you're putting this in. So I have really not loved how they approach this. So the second thing that I've already alluded to is this suspension thing. Where you're you're gonna shadow ban cards basically and not give me wild cards. Yeah. So I bought, I don't know, fifty, seventy-five bucks worth of Strixhaven, uh, to get these mystical archives. Yep. Cameron. Cashed in wild cards to get my four brains from four faithless loot. I did that on day one. And what a horrible customer service experience. Like just on that level. What a slap in the face mm-hmm. that you don't even give me the option. And like, you're going to hit me with, well, you could play it in historic one of Singleton or Brawl or come on. Yeah. Come on. Um, all right. So that irritation aside, um, let's talk about this. This is not officially posted. Someone found this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And it's leaked. But... 
now it appears as though Modern Horizons 1 and 2 cards are coming to Historic through the Jumpstart format, which I don't know if you remember the Jumpstart format, oh, yeah. Cameron, but it was like, was it 1,000 gold? I can't remember the actual gold yeah, price. I don't remember. It was, you bought a pre-con, right? And you got to play it for like three or four matches. They paid you out in other Jumpstart cards or gold, um, depending on your record. But the pre-con wasn't set. So, like, if you bought this pre-con, you could get one of however many different rares as a possibility. Um, and uh, now it appears that they're going to do Modern Horizons 1 and 2 cards and cards that are exclusive to Arena that have not been printed in paper. So, what do you think here, dude? Um, well, first and foremost, I will say that uh, just like on the overall umbrella strategy of like what is MTG Arena and how does it fit with the other paper products and formats that Wizards is trying to support and how do you bring that all together, fast-tracking modern cards, like some of the modern staples into historic, if that's the strategy, which I think it should be, that's great. I, I'm looking forward to seeing like what that happen- what where that takes us and if we will finally get at some point in the near future modern on arena which i think uh for me would be great i think for everybody that would be great um mm. some of the things that we're seeing within this the jumpstart sure whatever like i don't think i played a lot of jumpstart when it was out but i appreciated that the that it released new cards into the wild um the land thing is interesting weird um i don't know if that makes for a fun thing to happen within the context of jumpstart itself uh we'll see i i don't know like i i i'm still processing that part of it um yeah i would say as someone that actually attempted to get certain rares so muxus was the big one but there was like bane slayer there there were certain cards you could only get in jumpstart mm-hmm. I, Young Pyromancer was one, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was pretty predatory. It's the hardest way to get cards on Arena. It's much harder than drafting them. It's much harder than... Because to get a playset, you basically would have to hit mm-hmm. on through random generation right. multiple times. And so I maybe they fix this or you sell a bundle... It's okay, man. You can sell me direct. It's fine. Um, but this, what I'm worried about with Historic is we just keep pointing towards me at some point dipping out of that format specifically because, or saying, look, I'm just going to be playing one deck in Historic and not having to keep up with this because yeah. this is going to cost thousands of gems. If you want actual rares, you won't be like you could craft them, sure, out of wild cards. But if they're, I mean, let's just say it's Modern Horizons one and two cards. How many rare wild cards are we talking about here? I mean, probably 20 would be the minimum. You probably want five play sets of things if they do Ragavan, mm-hmm. Force of Negation. Like we could just keep going down this list, right? Season Pyromancer, on and on and on. So. Uh, maybe it will not be that powerful, but I would assume between those two sets plus 31, hey, these cards don't exist in paper, I think they're coming for uh, Historic. 
Um, I do I do think it's very reasonable to assume that Historic's target is going to be nearly all the important cards in Magic's history. Mm-hmm. I, I think it is actually going to go past Modern like much more often than we might think. I mean, it's already done a little bit yeah. with like Stifle and stuff. Um, but that's interesting to me. I also don't know that I love Wizards running pro-level Historic events. I think it could be a really cool SCG thing. Or like kind of the sub pro level, mm-hmm. but I think if they want to keep some of these cards in check, maybe keeping it out of the professional level would be probably be reasonable. Yeah. Um, any Modern Horizons card you're really hoping for? Is it just Force Negation? Hogak, for man, let's just let's do it. Let's bring it in there. <laughs> I mean, I I would love to see Aria of Flame just because it's one of my pastimes to show people how good that card mm, is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what could go wrong with Hogak and Faithless Looting in a format that's... It's fine. Yeah, it'll be great. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, no, there are some other things. I mean, it would be really exciting if we did get something like Force of Negation in that Archmage charm. I think that would be kind of exciting. Um, yeah, and maybe some of the decent removal. I don't know. There's like some things that I'm thinking specifically for like a blue-white control list that I want to be playing in Historic where I think I would welcome them into the fold, and it'd be great. I don't think it would be crazy for there to be fetch lands in this. Hmm. If nothing else, Prismatic Vista. But remember, a lot of the, like, the most recent Modern Horizon set had fetch lands. Yeah. Uh, if they're really wanting to, to juice it... That would I, I mean, actually you, make sense if you got rid of Brainstorm, put in the fetches, and I think I'm okay with that. <laughs> Yeah, well, luckily I have those wild cards to buy my Scalding Tarns. Yeah, right? yeah, that they yeah. Gave just me for the easy swap. Easy swap, easy swap. Thanks, guys. Anyway, Cameron, let's get out of the segment and talk about what else we've been up to. All right, Cameron, so I just... I'm, I'm really excited to hear about this because I know it exists, and that's about it. You have been watching... Masters of the Universe. Yeah. Not the not the film. Not the film, not the 80s cartoon, but the modern day Netflix remake slash continuation of the TV show from the 80s. Um so we got He-Man again. And um I am really like there I I I my opinion of this goes across the spectrum. There's some things that I love about this series. So this is, like I said, a continuation from, I guess, the last episode of Masters of the Universe from He-Man. I remember watching He-Man as a kid. Um, I remember enjoying it, but like I don't have, I would say, a strong nostalgia or a pull to ever go back and revisit that stuff. Um, but what they did with this new one, the art dude is so good. I love the animation of this. Like it, it it looks so awesome. Like the character designs of like the female characters, the male characters, it just has kind of like what I would imagine it is. It's like you took like all these eighties characters, which all had like kind of like the stock bodies and they, they use the exact same animations for man at arms as they did with He-Man as they did with Skeletor. Right. And like right. the animation in this, like I just I really 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 appreciate it. Uh, I find the music to be good. Um, I guess I'm gonna go a, 
like the premise is is that um, Skeletor kind of defeats He-Man by essentially they have to break the sword, the sword of power that he has, and all the magic floods out of Eternia. And we jump ahead in some time, and uh, it's Tila, the the female character who. Um, feels scorned by the secrets of He-Man and, and Man-at-Arms and all this stuff. And it's her and Evil Lynn going on this kind of journey to rebuild the Sword of Power. Um, okay. So this is, I mean, like, if you want He-Man, you get him in the first episode and some flashbacks. Otherwise, this is a Tila movie. Like, it, it's very much of that character. And so... It, it, it kind of wavers for me in some parts, but overall, I'm I'm glad I watched this. It's about it's five episodes. It ends on a huge cliffhanger, um, so I'm sure they're gonna be uh, releasing more episodes later. But uh, if you are a He-Man fan, I would I think I I have to recommend this to those people. Um, but if you're not, don't even give it a second thought. What a weird week for uh, nostalgia with that because Snake Eyes came out this week too, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, it's so weird. And so, yeah, Masters of the Universe and GI Joe are like inextricably linked in my head. I think they were on right after each other, probably uh, when I was a kid. Uh, but like, you know, this is all the era of like that. There was Mask, mm. you know. Um, and so, for me, obviously Transformers. Uh, like you, I don't have a ton of like. I know that I watch them. But that was like pre, what's the word I'm looking for? Like pre-understanding of these things. And I was mm. already exposed to Marvel by this point, yeah. like Marvel Comics. And I just, you know, look, maybe this is just me being me. But I really think both Marvel and DC Comics were offering a more rich, engaging experience. Uh, you know, even though I was a kid and I wasn't really even understanding what I was looking at when I was seven. I was reading a Spider-Man comic. It, it was still clear to me that there was more going on there than yeah. an episode of G.I. Joe, right? Um, and uh, I, I will give it a watch. I do think Netflix does a pretty good job with their animated series, and I like the the short number of episodes with a quick turnaround on the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did that with um, Castlevania. They did it with The Dragon Prince. Dragon Prince is really good. It's on Netflix. Voltron is kind of like the stealth best show that Netflix has ever done. <laughs> and, um, you know, not a lot of people seem to know it, but it's it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'll have to check this out. I've, I've always also found He-Man to kind of be like kid brand Conan. It is, and, for sure. Yeah. And it's like, man, how does Netflix or one of these streaming services just straight not do a Conan series? Like, it's all a bunch of short stories anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's tailor-made for it. Um, and I'm the first to admit Conan's problematic. Oh, sure. I'm also, I'll also be the first to admit that basically every new issue of Marvel's Conan the Barbarian series is super medium. And I read that issue. It's the top <laughs> of my pile. Every time. Every time. I love, I love reading the little intro mm-hmm. to every conan issue i love just like the adventure and it's like a self-contained thing like yes anyway uh i just really quickly so I, again i've been bouncing between games unfortunately 
Returnal I decided to trade in because they still had not added the save functionality that I need. And so they want you to play for like an hour plus at a time, and that just cannot happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I went and traded it in. My son and I are like halfway through Ratchet & Clank. We kind of... The problem that we have with Ratchet & Clank is I usually have to man the controls fully because it's actually very complex for him to manage Mm -hmm. um, because there's so many weapons and things like that. But it's a good time. Um, But we decided to get Skyward Sword because that's something that it's in-depth. I've never played it. Never had any interaction with it before. And it just came out on Switch. Um, And I knew the rap was this is a bad or on the scale of Zelda games, a bad Zelda game. Sure. Um, And look, I'm here to tell you, compared to Wind Waker and Breath of the Wild and Twilight Princess, it's not nearly as good. Uh, in my experience, it's already clear. First of all, there is an alarming amount of talking. Like, whoever designed this game thinks you are quite a stupid person. <laughs> they explain things, not even kidding you, two, three, four times. My five-year-old was like, I was, because I read the text out loud to him. And he's like, I know. Why, <laughs> why do they keep saying this? I'm like, I don't know, man. They just do, right? Uh, before we went on a quest, they reminded me to get the shield, a shield, like maybe five or six times. Um, there's that. And then this is a motion-controlled Zelda. Like, so you have two options. You either play with the Joy-Cons in motion-control mode, which maybe my Switch is set up in a strange way or something, but it, it does not read the motion correctly for me, yeah. like hardly at all, um, compared to the like Wii Motion Plus or whatever. Secondly, you can play with the like traditional controls but there are moments in the game where the direction you swing matters so instead of m- swinging your controller around you have to use the right analog stick as your sword swing so that is the actual sword swinging button not b or a or whatever and then to map the controls like you have to hold l1 to move the right stick to move the camera and I usually can adapt to just about any controls, but this has given me the most trouble since Ghost of Tsushima, which was also controlled in an insane way. Yeah. And um, you really have to get past that point. So all this negativity aside, Cameron, let me tell you what's good about this game (laughs) and what I've missed. They have designed a game. This is not an open world. Mm. Do you know how tired I am of open worlds, of not knowing where to go, of not knowing where to go next? This is like, nah, man. Hey, we need you to go over here. Get this thing. I'm like, on it. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And it just stands in such stark contrast. I don't know if you saw, but Assassin's Creed has decided to get away from individual installments. And they're going to make a game as a service. I'm not even kidding you. And it's called Assassin's Creed Infinite. And it was like, I just don't want to anymore. No. Can I please just have a beginning to end experience? Design a level for me. Mm-hmm. Don't give me a landscape and tell me it's a level. And that is what's super great about this. Breath of the Wild, probably one of the three best open world games ever made. And that had a lot of directed stuff in it too, once you kind of got into these moments. Sure. But even then, there are moments where you're like, I'm just tired of wandering. Writing. Yeah. 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 And I think Red Dead 2 was probably my breaking point. The purest expression of it. (laughs) Yeah, it's like I just rode a horse for 15 minutes, got uh, killed by some banditos. And then I was like, no, man, 
I'm not riding that 15 minutes again. I'm done. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Skyward Sword. If you can get past all of these things, all of these issues, there is a good game in there, right? But um, you still kind of sit there and go, man, I wish this were Wind Waker. Yeah. Like for real. Yeah. Why is that not on the system? <laughs> so, all right, Cameron, if someone would like to get at you and talk about uh, Swords of Power, where could they find you? That's all on Twitter at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I am at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. We'll check you guys next week.